0: We are on, on week two of the series we started right at the first of the year called Work Matters, and so it's really in response to uh, what culture is calling the the year of the Great Resignation. So 2021, 2022, they're now saying record numbers of people in the U.S. either quit their jobs or changed careers or are thinking about it, and and so the Bible thankfully has a lot to say about work um and and last week we we talked about let's read our theme verse together Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 and 24. Paul the writer is is encouraging us to whatever that we do to work at it with all of our heart as working for the Lord not for for not for bosses or human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so we talked about the two main callings of every Christian last week, two main callings. We're called to Christ first and foremost, and that calling never changes. And so if we're a Christian in here this morning, at some point in our existence on this planet, something happened and we felt a call to God. Either if if it was through a dream or through a prayer or a church service or driving down the road, something, the Holy Spirit got your attention and you felt this call or connection to to begin to to journey with God. And then there's a second calling that we see in the Bible. And and this is what we call the, the call to contribute. And so we went back to the very first mention of work in the Bible and it was God. So God's a worker. And then he created us, man and woman, in his image as workers. And so part of what we're here to do is, um, and you can use many different names for it, but we're here to contribute. That if you're still alive this morning, there's a reason. If you got a heart that's beaten and you're breathing, then there's a reason why God has you here still. And so there's someone that you need to impact, there's something you need to do. Um, and so we're here to contribute while we're on this side of eternity. Um, and we're going to go back to that story, but, but first I just I wanted to share a couple of things with you I thought were that you might like. I was thinking to myself, I want to travel, but my bank account said where, to work? <laughs> I lost my job at the bank on my very first day. A woman asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her over. <laughs> What's a resume? Well, it's just a list of things I hope nobody ever asked me to do. What's the best work politics? Anti-work, but pro-paycheck. Thought that was funny. My boss told me to have a great day, so I left and went to the movies. (laughs) The human soul weighs 1.2 pounds. I know because I've weighed myself before and after I walk into my job. I thought that one was funnier, anyways. Go ahead and laugh because we're gonna get a kind of serious for a few minutes That's all the laughs you're gonna get for about the next 15 minutes and then it'll get good. I wanna talk about the good, the bad and the ugly side of work. The good, the bad and the ugly. And notice that there's two negatives, <laughs> the bad and the ugly, and, and then there's a, good, there's a good side. So I, I wanna start with the bad and the ugly side because that's what we, we all feel the most Uh, That's probably where, um, if you're contemplating leaving your job or changing careers, it's because you're feeling the bad and the ugly side of work. And so, last week we talked about the, uh, the original design of of every person is God put Adam in this paradise, and He told him to work it and to keep it. And so, our original design as humans is to work and to contribute. And what's so cool is, is, is God, that he did the same thing. Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning he worked, he created. And then we have a journal of his work in, in Genesis 1 and 2. Unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. And so part of the original blessing was that man got to work together with God and it was a joy. If, if we could go back to the garden, which I think one day we will, it was perfect. Imagine everything that you put your hands to just, just turned to gold in, in, in so many words. Every seed he planted, it bore fruit. Every business he started, scaled. Every idea that Adam had worked because there was no opposing forces to what he was doing. It was paradise. Put an apple seed in the ground, and it grew a massive apple tree. Tenfold on everything that he invested, he'd seen it back. That was the work environment until Genesis 3. And then it says in Genesis 3, there was this great fall. And what I haven't noticed until getting ready for this series is that most of the curse revolves around work. That most of the the underlying currents of what we know as the curse and the great fall in the Bible are connected to our experience at work. I'm going to read it together. Genesis 3, it says to Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife, You ate of this fruit from the tree. I told, I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Here's the first thing. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you're gonna eat food from it all the days of your life. We see a curse, we see painful toil. Verse 18, it's gonna produce thorns and thistles for you and you're gonna eat the plants of the field. So all my vegetarians, that's a part of the fall. Anyways, I like red meat, come on somebody. And uh, by the, verse 19, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and from the dust, and from dust you are, to dust you will return. All right, so there's three things I wanna draw out of this. So a part of the fall, a part of this curse, is there's three primary things that impact our work our everyday lives and and the first thing i want you to see is that the curse wasn't on adam it was on the ground so it wasn't that adam was cursed it's not that you're cursed but now our work and whatever you do monday through friday is underneath the curse and you know that you feel that we don't have i don't have to convince you of that i'll never forget when i turned 21 i was working at pepsi that was so i worked a lot of jobs but pepsi's all i got all right i worked there for like eight or nine maybe it was it was a long time long, that was my longest stint of any of any place and um and so i started when i was 18 working at night going to school going to seminary and they kept tempting me with these paychecks my, my boss would call me in his office and say if you get your class a and drive trucks this is what you can make and so that's what i did i right, i went and then you had to take all these brake tests and i wanted to drive the big trucks because they made the big money in my mind, at 21, and so I, I the day I turned 21, I went to the DMV. I passed all my tests. Uh, the only thing that I'd, I'd only driven in like the parking lot of the Pepsi plant. That was it. That is all that I. That was the, all the experience I had outside of the driving test around the block of Ellison Industrial. And so the, I turned 21. I get my license. The next day, my boss calls me. He says, "Hey, you're on a route. Get here at 3 a.m." And so I'm. Again, I was afraid, not for myself, but for everybody else on the road that day. And and so week one of driving this truck and I'm thinking, I've arrived, I'm making great money. I can go buy a house now. Everything's gonna be well in the world. And my first stop was over here, grocery outlet on the west side of of Pensacola. And I pull up to this store and I, I I don't know how to, driving the truck straight is easy. Backing the trucks up are really hard. So if you own a boat or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been to the boat launch, it's great. Get you some popcorn, go to Shoreline on 4th of July. Literally, it's the the greatest thing you'll ever watch in your life. And watch people try to back their boats and jet skis into this, all right? So imagine a 53-foot trailer, and I'm trying to back this thing into basically a parking spot. And I, I mean, I, it, 30 minutes go by, an hour go by, there's now three or four other trucks lined up at this store trying to get into this, to this loading dock. I get out, I go inside and I start asking people for advice. Like, how, how am I supposed to get this trailer on the loading dock? And they're telling me what to do. Anyways, long story short, you got to jackknife this thing in. So like a 90 degree turn, you got to jackknife the trailer in, I do it. I get out and I notice that there's liquid coming from the bottom of my 53-foot trailer. I'm like that's interesting. Maybe it's just the, the dew. I don't know. And I, you know, so I, I get inside of the I get inside of the grocery outlet and the, the, the lady that was gonna check everything in. I was delivering 20 pallets of two liters, by the way. She opens. We open the door and the two liters just fall out into the store like a like a waterfall. I had dumped over 10 of the 20 pallets of two liters there was three inches of soda in the bottom of this trailer. She immediately said, get these out of my, get this out of my store, put it back on your truck, I don't want it. Yeah. Everybody's honking, cussing at me because I've been at this, you know, they're, they're, trying to get, they're trying to get down the road, right? All these other vendors are, I'm like their number one problem right now. So I, I kick all these two leaders back in the trailer, I shut it, I pull the truck off and I call my wife. From the parking lot. And I said, Caitlin, how many months can we make it without my job? <laughs> I had a serious come to Jesus moment in the cab of that truck. I wanted to quit so bad. I mean, because I'd made everybody mad. I'd made myself mad. But I didn't quit. I, mean, I, drove, back to the, I drove back to the plant. And I had to get everything cleaned and organized, put everything back in the cases. took me all day. And I wish I could say that was the only time that that happened, but it wasn't, seriously. And I wish I could say it doesn't happen now, <laughs> but I can't, honestly. And you felt that. And in this couple of verses in Genesis three, there's three primary things that, that, that we now have to experience with our work. It's, it's fulfilling and it's frustrating. And if we try to find a job that's 100% fulfilling, we will never, ever find it. Because of the curse, because work is now under the curse, no matter how much you may think that that dream job is going to make your life complete, you're going to find out that it's not. And you're going to get frustrated, and you're going to get mad. And there's three things that that God told Adam, this is going to be your experience with work now. The first one is he says the, the ground is cursed. The ground is cursed, it literally means bitter, that there's gonna be times in my life where my work causes me to get bitter and confused. It's part of the fall. There's gonna be moments in my life where I don't wanna go to work. (laughs) I would rather go anywhere else but work, right? That there's this underlying bitterness that's a part of it. And again, it doesn't mean I'm doing the wrong thing doesn't mean that I need to quit jobs or go somewhere else. doesn't mean it's the company's fault or my boss's fault. It just means that we're working in a fallen world. And so now progress when it comes to the work field and workforce is uphill. There's nothing automatic anymore. In in paradise before the fall, Adam and Eve could put a seed in the ground and it grew perfectly every time. Now you gotta water the seed. You gotta keep varmints off the seed, right? You got to make sure it doesn't get too much sun. You got to make sure it's the right depth. That everything that we do, that we put our hands to on this side of eternity now, there's going to be work involved. It's going to be uphill. Part of the curse. Doesn't mean you're wrong. Doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. It just means we're working in a world that's under the curse. So the second thing he says is he talks about how now we're going to work with this painful toil. One translation is in sorrow that you're going to work. Before the fall, it was all unicorns and Skittles. You know what I'm saying? It was just good, roses, rainbows. Everything was great. Everyone was happy. Not now. The sweat of our brow. There's there's pain involved with working. There's pain involved with labor. Maybe you said this before. This job is killing me. Maybe you've thought it. And there's probably a sliver of truth to that <laughs> because part of the, the dynamic now is that as we work, that there's, our, our backs are going to hurt. Our minds are going to hurt. There's going to be stress involved. And it doesn't matter if, if we're greeting people at the door of Walmart or flying a jet or working on somebody in open heart surgery. There's going to be pain and toil involved with it no matter where we go or no matter what we do. And I think the best way to say that is there's gonna be times where my work just feels painful and debilitating. Like I, I don't, this is not what I signed up for. And I think you know oftentimes we're, we're kind of sold this American dream and, and so we pursue a career. S- some, some students from middle school, they know what they wanna do. And so in high school, they take the classes to set them up for college. To be able to go to grad school, to get the internship, to get the job, and then you find out that you get the job, and man, maybe it's not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> For close to six, seven years, there was we had a dream to plant a church on Pensacola Beach. And we worked and we worked and we labored and we, and we sowed and we, and we did a lot to get us to the point to where in 2017, we, we launched Upper Room Church. And if you would have asked me in like 2012, what's the dream job? I would have told you it was, man, I want to plant a church. I want to reach people. I want to change the community. That's what I want to do. And then so 2017, we plant the church. And then I remember 2018, was a lot of confusion because what I thought in my mind it was going to be it just wasn't and it was kind of it was hard I remember like I was the only one in the office like all the time if the phone rang it was in my pocket hospital visitations, me (laughs) like volunteer me you know connect cards it was me a lot of times and it felt like overwhelming and I thought this is not what I signed up to do and part of that word sorrow that we're going to work with sorrow it means grief And I think there's an element of that in every occupation and job because it's not what God intended it to be, and it never will until we do it in eternity, and then we're going there. But no matter what we do here on this earth, we've got to keep in mind that even working for God or planting churches or planting fields, that we're working in ground that's been cursed. That we're working there's like we all know that there's some kind of oppositional flow going against what we're trying to do and it doesn't mean that you're wrong or you're doing anything wrong it could mean you're exactly where you're supposed to be then the third thing he talks about is are these thorns and thistles that the ground is cursed you're going to sweat you're going to have sorrow in work it's, y'all are are y'all really depressed yet? Yeah, I got one more. Okay. All right. Can you handle one more? Thorns and thistles. I don't think that there were thorns and thistles before the fall because they're pointless. They do nothing but choke out good seed and good plants. They grow and they keep fruit-bearing plants from being able to grow. And so before the fall, there wasn't any thorns and thistles. Now you a weed will grow out of the right in the middle of the street, you know what I'm saying? like pointless nothing nothing involved but but you you know there's and then something that you're trying to get to grow, it's hard to do. thorns and thistles, and I think what that means is there's going to be seasons of life where you're going to work hard and give, 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 and so 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 so, and you may not see a return that part of this that this this vocation or calling that God has called us all into is it's the infinite game and so you may be called to 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 till a field right to to break up the ground where the generation behind you is going to plant seeds in and then the generation behind them is going to actually see the harvest and so we can't we can't connect what we do every day just on what we see in return and in reward because there's going to be seasons where your work's going to just feel fruitless are Y'all happy yet? <laughs> it's going to feel like you're giving, 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 and you're not getting the thing in return. Have you ever felt that way? That I, I am like, I, I am doing everything I can to do the right thing on this job. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm coming early and I'm staying late. And I still missed the promotion three times in a row because it's a good old boy system, right? Or whatever. And you're going to feel like, man, maybe what I'm doing is not making a difference. I'm, I'm like, my job is like rearranging the furniture on the titanic it's pointless right i don't i don't i don't know what it's fruitless it's hard to see the return you would think if anyone had a fulfilling calling in their life it would be mother teresa and if you don't know who mother teresa is she she kind of founded you know this ministry called calcutta where she reached out to orphans and the poor, and she did that, she dedicated her whole life to that. Uh, she's, a, she's been, you know, she's a saint, she's a major, major um, contributor to, to the, the Catholic movement, but she gave her whole life to others. And you would think if there was anyone who just knew they were right in the middle of God's will, it would be Mother Teresa. Here she is, she founded the Sacred Heart she, in, in this, you know, just, just giving and giving and giving and giving all the time. Like she literally, she, she, she captured the essence of the gospel to feed the sick and to take care of the poor. That's what she did. And I'm so glad that her priest kept the letters that she wrote to him. And so while she was working at this orphanage, she wrote letters to her priest. And towards the end of her life she asked her priest to burn the letters. She was embarrassed by them. She didn't want anyone to know what... So we basically get to... You get to hear and see what she was going through while she was doing this work. And so after she died, the the priest didn't get rid of these letters, and he he actually published them in a book called Come Be My Light. And I want to read just a little portion. Here's Mother Teresa building orphanages, she has been now classified as a saint. She was the model for Christian outreach and Christian, just doing everything right. This was one of her letters around year 40. Did I make a mistake in surrendering blindly to the call of the sacred heart? The work is not a doubt because I'm convinced that it's his, not mine. I don't feel not even a single simple thought or temptation enters my heart to claim anything about this work. The whole time I'm smiling, sisters and people pass by with such remarks. They think my faith, my trust, and love are filling my very being. They think that my intimacy with God and His union must be absorbing my heart. Could they but know? And how my cheerfulness is the cloak by which I cover the emptiness and misery. I'm so glad that that letter exists. Because in moments when you feel like giving up or walking away or what you're doing maybe is not what God called you to do, I want you to remember that. Because she had to be right in the center of God's will. But it didn't feel that way. It didn't look that way. And it's almost like being in the eye of a storm sometimes, a hurricane. Like when you're in the center, if you're running something you don't really see the impact around you all the time. You're just right in the middle of it. And you can't see oftentimes the impact you're having and the people that you're touching and the lives that you're changing. You're the only one in the room that can't see it. And I'm so glad that that letter exists. And I'm also glad that that's not where the story ends. So that's the bad and the ugly. Do y'all feel that? Let's talk about the good. Because the thing about the gospel is the gospel covers every aspect of our lives. A lot of times that we think... Okay, well, the gospel is for church. And so we talk about God and we sing songs for an hour on Sunday and then we leave. But the gospel is holistic. When you say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is inside of you and moving and he, not only does he impact your Sunday, he impacts your Monday morning and your Tuesday morning and your Wednesday and your Thursday and your Friday and your Saturday, it's holistic. Every part of you, mind, body and soul is impacted by the gospel. And I like the way that Dorothy Sayers puts it. The first Adam was cursed with labor and suffering. But the redemption of labor and suffering is the triumph of the second Adam. The carpenter nailed to the cross. And I don't think that it was coincidence that they put a crown of thorns on his head. Because the first Adam had to deal with thorns too. Right? Right? But the second Adam, through his sacrifice and obedience, has now lifted the heaviness and the weight of this curse. And it's a beautiful thing. And so I want to go back to our our theme verse. Whatever you do, whatever you do, there's freedom in that. Work at it with all of your heart. That means, I think, give it your best. And what I'm noticing in my life is that there is this the symbiotic relationship between my work and how I feel. And maybe you've experienced this too. When I'm not giving my best, whatever it is that I'm doing, if I'm shucking oysters, or if I'm washing dishes, or if I'm planting a field, or if I'm preaching a sermon, if I don't give it my best, it impacts me. It's hard for me to rest. It's hard for me to truly Sabbath because I know I left some things undone. And so there's this symbiotic relationship between work and, and what you do every day, what you do and, and, and what's going on on the inside of you, that when I give God my best at work, this is what I believe. He gives his best in return to me. When I give God my best, now, again, we're not measuring outcomes. I'm not comparing my best to my neighbor's best. I'm not comparing my best to my coworker's best, but when I show up and I do and give 100% and I give it the very best that I have, I can mark assured that God notices. And a part of our work is is connected to what we do and then our work is connected to us. It's pretty amazing that we shape our work and then our work shapes us. Why did God step back and say after 6 days, behold it's good because God is good. And so his work was good. And there's a connection between the two. And so I, I think there's this temptation at times to, 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 to maybe, and I'm not saying that, that you know, we're, we're trusting in our self-will and we're trusting in our own efforts, but I am saying there's a connection between giving our best and God's blessing. Proverbs says it like this, Proverbs 13. This is the amplified version. The soul or the appetite of a lazy person craves and gets nothing for their laziness overcomes ambition. But the soul or the appetite of the diligent person who gives their best, who works willingly, is rich and abundantly supplied. There's a connection and it doesn't matter what your work may be. It doesn't matter if you go into an office or if you stay at home, that that God rewards good work. Can I get an amen? God rewards good work. We see this also in Matthew. In Matthew 25, there's a parable, and I don't have time to read it all, but I'm gonna just give it to you, kind of the the, the shortened version. It's called the parable of the talents. And so here was this this owner who gave his estate over to three different individuals. To one, he gave him five talents, to one he gave two, and to one he gave one. So let's put this in modern day terms. These three guys were investors. So this man gave him, he gave them his money. And so a talent in that day when the Bible was written, was about 15 years of wages. So it's around a million dollars in today's terms. So this guy gave one guy a million, he gave one guy two million, and he gave another guy five million, and he went away. And he said, Hey, take care of my stuff, doesn't even, he doesn't tell him what's funny about the story is he doesn't even tell them what to do. He just gives them the money and it's almost like he expects them to know. Invest it well. So the guy with five, y'all know the story? The guy with five doubled. So he went from five to 10 million. He made some good investments. He stayed out of cryptocurrency. You know, he, um, he, made, <laughs> you know, he, he made some good investments. The guy with two million, he doubled he invested in real estate he did good no I'm just kidding so he he did good right he he got in early whatever he so he took this investment and he doubled but the guy with one he buried it and we don't know a lot about him we don't know a lot about this guy but he was operating in fear we know that he said I heard that you were a a harsh man And so I was afraid to even use your money because I knew that you were gonna require more. And so I didn't wanna lose it, so I buried it. And so what was he doing while this guy was gone? I don't know. But this I do know, that the guy that doubled, the two ones that doubled, not only were they rewarded here, they were rewarded in eternity as well. I'm gonna read it to you. It says that when the master came back, Matthew 25, verse 23, he said, well done good and faithful servants, the two that doubled. You've been faithful with a few, I will put you in charge of many. Now look at this little portion. Come and share your master's happiness. So he connects their work on earth with a reward in heaven with him. And so as the Christian, what's the good side of work? It's that I know that I'll be rewarded here on earth and also in eternity that the work that I'm doing will outlive me, right? That I'm, I'm able to leave a legacy no matter what it is that God's called me to do, that it doesn't just stop here. And then not only that, that, that God is going to reward based on the, what I was able to do with what he put in my hands, how faithful was I with what he gave me. The three guys were gifted in different amounts. So they had different, they had different giftings, different levels of giftings, but we're not comparing that. We're comparing their faithfulness. Did they show up? Did they, did, did, they, did they use the time and talent and treasure that was placed in their hands? Because how we use that, those gifts and talents and those things that are inside of every person in this room, will not only determine how we live here, but how we live there. I read a book about 10, 12 years ago called my dream of heaven and it was written um it was written in the late 1800s uh let me her name is rebecca springer and it's so again i'm not saying that this is a um it's just a, it was a vision that this woman had of heaven and it's powerful and i'll never forget it and i went back and re, reread it again um just a couple years ago but i'll never forget this story she had this dream about heaven and one of her family members was touring her around heaven and they come up to her house right you know Jesus said I'm going to prepare a place for you where I am you may be also like we're looking forward to that and I don't know if it's literal literal or not but I I believe it is I believe that 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 heaven is going to be a whole lot more like earth than we than we think oftentimes we see heaven portrayed as like cherubim floating around on clouds playing harps you know that heaven is the eternal buffet. We're going to sing hymns and eat forever, and that doesn't sound real good to me. You know what I mean? Like heaven is going to be a whole lot more like earth than we think. Revelation twenty-two talks about a new heaven and new earth. That it's going to be a reperfected earth. I think it's going to be like paradise. Genesis one. It's going to be beautiful. But in this vision, this family member is showing her her mansion. And she walks into her study, and she's afraid to step on the ground because that she, she, she what she thought there were fresh roses laid out all over the floor. And he said, "No, let me explain to you what this is. There are some teenagers who knew you were coming here, and you taught them. She was a teacher, and they wanted to make sure your house was beautiful, so they 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 were decorators. They showed up with a bushel full of roses." and 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 he's explaining to her they would throw a rose and it would hit the ground and it would turn into marble and they would throw a rose against the wall and it would turn into wood engravings as like custom molding around the room and i was reading this book and i've never forgotten the imagery of that that when we go to heaven i don't think we're just going to be sitting in a hammock for eternity That most likely what you do here and what you're good at here and what you love to do here, you will do there. But in a perfect way. Come on, somebody. Right, without that curse that's following us around every day, without the the pain and the toil and without the suffering, that that what you do here is preparing you for that eternal thing that we're going to do together. And it will all be for his glory and it'll all in somehow, some way be worshipful towards him. But I think that we're going to be working in heaven and I'm kind of glad about that. And here's the last one, if y'all... So work here, work there. They're connected. What I thought was really interesting getting ready for this series was the disciples. And if you look at their life, they all, God called them from something, every one of them. And the best I can tell, I think up to seven out of 12 were were commercial fishermen. I know at least a third of them were, but I think a half of them were commercial fishermen. And if you've ever known a fisherman or worked with someone or been on a charter boat, you know, these are some of the greatest, coolest people on the planet. They're passionate. They work long hours. They work harder than anybody I know. If if you are a commercial fisherman or you're a captain, you are a hard worker. And it's morning, noon, and night. There is no rest. It's when they're there, the fish are there, you go. But they love what they do. And when Peter was called to follow Jesus, history tells us that he was running a a commercial fishing business that had been passed down to him. We know he was a fisherman. I'm gonna read it to you. It says that Jesus just walked up to him. Matthew 4 said, follow me, Peter. I'm gonna make you a fisher of men. And he left his nets and he followed Jesus. And so for three years, he did that. Now, I think when we read that, we clap, the church applauds, it's like, yeah, you left your job, but how do you think his dad felt about that, (laughs) right? How do you think, like, I mean, if you just leave the job and leave, like, it's like, like, if I'd have left that semi at Grace Ray Outlet and said, Caitlin, come get me, which I thought about doing, (laughs) I'm going to leave this whole thing here and have somebody else come and get it, I'm done. That's kind of what he did, just left it, just dropped them on the beach. Is that responsible? Not really, but... That's what he did. And for three years, this wasn't 30 years, this wasn't the rest of his life. For three short years, he followed Jesus and probably seen some of the most amazing things he'd ever seen. But Jesus died. And Peter got confused. He felt the pain. He felt like, okay, I've just left my job and career. I left the family business to follow this. Could have been crazy, man. But we all know the story. Jesus gets up out of the grave and he walks around and he starts showing himself to people. He starts showing up in this resurrected body and he shows people doubting Thomas. He showed him his wounds and he could do all kinds of cool stuff in this resurrected body. He could walk through walls. He could translate like he could be in one place and another like that. Pretty wild. It was awesome. And then he shows up and it says that seven of the 12 disciples were fishing. They went back fishing. They're like, This church thing ain't working out or maybe i don't know and so it said they had fished all night long now if you've ever been on an overnight fishing trip imagine this they were fishing all night they were tired they were wore out they were probably ready to quit like this is this is a lot this is and and again they were professional fishermen And then they don't recognize this person on the beach, but it was Jesus. And he says, hey, in John 21, throw on the other side of the boat. And so they, all right, we'll try it. Throw on the other side of the boat. And it says they bring in this massive amount of fish like they've never brought in before. But this is the part of the story I've missed most of my life. That when Jesus asked Peter to follow him, the whole time he was with Jesus, Jesus was a part of what they were doing every day. He had this communication with him. Clearly, Jesus was for what he was doing. And you would think three days he disappears. They go back fishing that maybe Jesus is a little aggravated. Hey, guys, um, I know here I am. Got up like, you know, resurrect. You, I told you. And here you are fishing. Like, what did I ask you to do? He doesn't do that. He doesn't lecture the disciples. He doesn't come up and say, what are y'all doing here fishing? Let's get back to the temple and pray and do church stuff. He helps them. He helps them. And this is what I want you to hear. I think no matter what we do in this life, it's all about that connection with Jesus. And whatever you decide to do, if it's start an orphanage or plant a church or fish, you're not in it alone. And there was nobody better at, at preaching the gospel than Jesus because he was the gospel. And there was nobody better at fishing than Jesus because he's the alpha and the omega. He's the master of everything. No matter what you put your hands to every day, if you're, it doesn't matter. You have a helper in the Holy Spirit through Jesus that can help you do whatever it is. And that's the difference. That when you work, you never work alone. And I think that's the overwhelming feeling when I get discouraged with whatever it is I'm doing. I feel like I'm alone and nobody understands. I'm doing this all by myself. I'm driving this truck by myself. Nobody cares if I quit or not. I'm doing this church thing by myself. Like there's this overwhelming feeling of being alone in it, but I want you to know no matter what you do, whatever, wherever you contribute, you're not there by yourself. So I want you just to bow your heads for a moment. We're going to pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the promise that you've given us that you will never leave us or forsake us. And just like you showed up on the beach with those disciples and you helped them catch a massive amount of fish when they had toiled all night long. Help us, Lord, to recognize you on the job tomorrow no matter what it is that we do, if we're operating, if we're caring for people, if we're raising children, if we're driving a truck, if we're bussing tables, doesn't matter. You show up in our life while we're at work, while we're doing what we do every day, and you have all the wisdom in your hands. And at your voice, you even speak Nemo, you speak fish. And we're thankful this morning that you show up in our ordinary, everyday lives and you help us. You help us. So Lord, give us wisdom to hear your voice. Remind us when that long commute in the morning gets lonely that we're not by ourselves. That there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother that's with us every moment of every day. That the that you're through the power of your Holy Spirit, we take you with us wherever we go. That there's nowhere we can go outside of your presence and outside of your voice. And so this morning we're just thankful today. We're grateful for you, Lord. We ask that you would just continue to speak into our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said Amen.